You'd all turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. This morning we're going to continue in our study of the book of Matthew, and uh, we come to what has been termed the temptation of Christ, uh, three temptations uh, that Christ went through. And this morning as we look at those, I trust that we'll be blessed as we consider our own temptations as well. You'd stand in honor of God's Word. I'd love to read to you uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. This is what God's Word says. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and said to him, uh, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angel concerning you, and on, and on their hands will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. God, I ask your blessing on our time. I ask that your spirit would work in our midst, that we would know the truth, and that you would work in our lives and grow us as we spend time getting to know you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Confess, I've uh, been a little under the weather this week, and I'm a, I'm a little weak this morning. Nothing compared to 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. Um, but if I'm a little shaky this morning, I'm going to blame it on that, if, if that's okay with you. Uh, we start off chapter 4, and you, you need to see the connection between chapter 3 and chapter 4. Uh, we've just gone through where... Uh, John the Baptist has been baptizing and uh, sharing a message of repentance that I'll need to come and change and change and be baptized. And as they, he called them to that message, Jesus also came, not in repentance, but he came to be baptized. And as that brought about his beginning of his earthly ministry, we see that the relationship, we get an intimate picture of a relationship with the Father and the Son where he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And immediately, really, the, the next event that we see is where we're at in chapter 4. We go straight from baptism to temptation. And it says this, Then then, uh, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. Uh, I want you to get this because I think it's an important piece of the puzzle. This is a very uncomfortable passage for me. Because I I see Jesus as the ultimate king. And the king takes orders from no one. And 
I get this picture that Satan is in charge, and I realize that's not true. And I think the first line in that really shows the plan of God. The Spirit led up uh, Jesus to the in the wilderness for a time of fasting uh, for forty days. This is part of the plan of God. I want you to see that this morning. It is not as though Satan was in control and that. Uh, God took his hands off the wheel that Christ gave up uh, his deity and that he was just going to go wherever Satan took him. But this was part of the plan, part of the plan. And the plan, the word is here for him to be tested, tested, uh, tested or tempted. And that's really the word that we're talking about here is really the word that we get tempted by too. When trials come, when things are calling out to us in sin, there's a sense of test or trial to that. And in Satan's case here, he he is not a wanting Christ to pass the test, but to fail and for this to derail his holiness and for him to be sinful like everyone else. So he's being led out to the wilderness to be tempted um, by the devil. As we look at this, we, we, we see in verse 2 that it says, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Most of us, when we think of fasting, we're talking about having lunch at like one thirty, as opposed to 12 o'clock. Uh, we're going, boy, I'm really, you know, I'm really pushing it today, you know. Late, late lunch. Most of us, uh, if we do that, we just do the brunch thing and we eat twice as much for two meals or whatever that is. We don't know what this means, for, uh, 40 days of fasting. And when I say we don't know what it means, we can't imagine it. We can't imagine it. Uh, we haven't gone that long without food. And so you can imagine as best you can he, he's at the end of his physical rope. In his humanity, he's, he's at the end. And you need to ask the question, when are you most tempted to? When you're at the end, right? When you're tired. Uh, in fact, uh, we usually uh, write off our own sins and the sins of family members. Uh, we can be a complete jerk to one another, mean, say horrible things. Oh, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. Uh, oh, you know, you have this little demon kid, he's running around and he's wrecking the place. Oh, he's just tired. He's just tired. No, uh, uh, he's sinful and he just happens to be doing this while he's tired. And we're using that as an excuse. You see Jesus at the end of his uh, human rope at these 40 days of fasting, uh, And this is the point in time where Jesus is tempted. So with that backdrop, we look at what these uh, temptations are. There's three of them. So uh, we look at the first one. It says in verse 3, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Command these stones. Now, I don't know... If there's anybody else there, it seems like there would not be other people there. Just Satan and the Lord. And he probably points to physical stones out in the wilderness and says, These stones turn them to bread. 
That doesn't sound too out of the ordinary, would it? After being out of food, not eating any food for 40 days, the idea of having something to eat seems almost legitimate. So Jesus, if you're the Son of God, if you are who you say you are, if if you are the one, if you are God come in the flesh, if equal with God, If you are the Son of God, take these stones and turn them to bread. Jesus is put to the test on whether he would do a miracle for himself. And this was his response. He says, uh, but he, in verse 4, but he answered, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. As you look at, you'll see in these next temptations that Jesus is answering from the Old Testament scriptures, the word of God. He answers, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. As he deals with this, he's tempted to do a miracle for himself. Now, when you think about this and you say, well, um, we know the whole story. This is at the beginning of his earthly ministry. Can you think of a time where he provided a meal? Yes, multiple times. Jesus said the feeding of the 5,000, that was the greatest, right? He, he could do, could he have done that? Yes. He could have turned those, those rocks, the, these stones into loaves of bread, good bread too. And yet he says, no, man does not live by bread alone. It's not what I'm going to do. There's a temptation for me to meet my own needs here, but Bread alone is not what we live on. As Jesus answered him with Scripture, he denies the importance of the exclusive importance, at least, of food. And more importantly, that the will of God was the thing that he was after. What you're going to see here in the temptations of Christ is this, that Satan is an enemy seeking to derail, seeking to distract and destroy. He, he's somehow trying to, he sees the plan of God being worked out. And what he's trying to do is to ruin, ruin the plan of God. And so what he desires for Christ is to say, I'm hungry. This is the most important thing. He says, I, I didn't come. I, I didn't come for bread alone. This isn't the way we live. We are uh, derailed from the plan of God often and distracted often and tempted and failing temptation as we give in to these temptations just because we're hungry. Number two. That was temptation number one. Number two, 
Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command the angels concerning you, and on their hands uh, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Temptation number two. He goes back to the Son of God, right? If you're the Son of God, since you're the Son of God, if you're equal with God just down here, why don't you do something? Show me. He questions if Jesus was truly the Messiah, the one that came from God, the one that was down here, the one that was to save. He questions that and and seeks for him to somehow approve. Uh, Show me something that I might approve that you are who you say you are. He goes one step further. Did you notice? He doesn't just present some kind of temptation. He presents a rationale. And what is it? Where does it come from? Scripture again. Quotes the Old Testament. I want to tell you um, that Scripture is good. The Word of God is good. When it is used to shape who we are and for us to learn about God. And for God to do his work of reordering our world. God's word is for us. It's for us to be changed by. What was Satan using the word of God for? For manipulation? Proving his own point? For seeking to win an argument? Think about that. Think about that. What this is, this is... Twisting Scripture. Twisting Scripture. It's taking it and saying, I'm going to use this in my argument to make my own point. This is the way Satan does things. Be careful the way we look at the Word of God. The Word of God is for us to be changed by, for us to humbly come to Him with. Satan's tactic was to take Scripture and twist it. As we look at Jesus' response to temptation number two, and really the the point is, what is he calling him to do? He brings him to a pinnacle, top of the temple, high place, very high, and he says, jump down, jump down. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. If you're the son of God, you'll be fine. In fact, it's kind of like the Superman thing. Just do it, right? It'll be a great show. You think about that, and he would have been fine, right? The Son of God. You think, you know, Jesus was the Messiah. It couldn't be, couldn't have been that big of a deal. And Jesus responds with this. You look down at verse 7. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Shall not put the Lord your God to the test. This isn't me being the Son of God. He he's referring to Satan. He says, "Me being the Son of God is not for a, a freak show. It is not to do tricks. It, it is not for me to do neat miracles." So everyone goes, "Oh wow, that was cute the way you did that." It's not to put the Lord God to the test. 
And so he answers with the Old Testament scriptures again. They come to, then we come to the third temptation in verse 8. Again, the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Simple. You can have it all. You can have it all. I uh, brought him to some place and you say, well, what mountain was that? Because, uh, you know, I've studied geography and you really can't see everything from, uh, it was Jesus, okay? And we don't know exactly what portion or whatever, but he says, everything, you can have it all. And all, all you, you can have it all, it can be all yours. If you'll just bow and bow down and worship me. You think about that and you go, well, it's Jesus. Of course he didn't bow down. How big of a temptation was that? Well, it was probably similar to the temptations that we have, the small ones that we bow to, right? That we give in to. You've never been uh, offered at all, have you? Everything. And you say, well, you know, I haven't. So, if, you know, I, I'd know not to bow. Either. We bow for the smallest things. The smallest things. Every sin that we commit is a, a sense of bowing and giving in. Everything that we do that is not in accordance with the will of God, we say, ah, oh, you know, I know it's wrong, but I just, I, I want it. And so I'll bow. Jesus was offered it all. If you just bow. And his response was this. Looking down at verse, uh, I'm sorry, verse 10. This is a good one. Dial in. Verse 10 says this. Um, then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan. Be gone. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Jesus himself showed his own relationship, his subservient relationship to the Father in reflecting and and answering to Satan. The Father alone is to be served. And then it says this, then the devil left him. And behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. As we look at this, uh, it's interesting how that ties up. The verse eleven, you know, he be gone, right? Be gone, Satan. And then what Satan do? He left. He left. Um, we don't actually know, but I think it's a combination of all these things. But uh, you know why he left? Because Jesus told him to. This plan of God was being worked out and it wasn't as Jesus turned himself over and said, you can do to me whatever. I don't care. I'm just at your whim. But it was for a time. Be gone. Be gone. And the second thing, he's defeated. He was defeated. I want to say it like this, though. He's defeated. He, he lived to fight another day. 
live to fight another day. He wasn't defeated ultimately, and that will come. The other thing I want to point out to you is this verse 11 kind of ties up this passage. Jesus, we, we start out the passage with Jesus at the end of himself in humanity. He was 40 days without food. 40 days of fasting. He was at the end of himself physically. And so then he's tempted. Then he's tempted. And the things that he's tempted with, both temporal, the, the, the things of like food, like stuff today, as well as the, the glories of having it all. Of, of What happened? So Satan leaves and the angels of God come and start ministering to him. What do you say? How did they minister to the Lord? I don't. We don't know. I think they brought food. I thought. I think they brought food. They restored him. They restored him. His humanity. It was like they delivered the meal. <laughs> they provided for him. They were brought, and Jesus was restored. And what you see here is you see in his baptism the beginning of his ministry, and this being the first thing that we see him being tempted to derail the plan of God. Uh, If he would have sinned, but he didn't. And so the plan is intact and God is prevailing. As we see this, uh, I want to just give you a few things to help us understand what this means for us. I want to be careful how I use uh, this first things. These are three things to remember, okay? And the first one, I want to give you a word. I want to be careful how I use this word because I know it's a a loaded term in our culture today. Uh, But I want to say this. Satan is the original terrorist. Satan is the original terrorist. And the reason I say terrorist is this. In our country, we have... uh, in the last, in our recent history, we've seen acts of terrorism. And, and it is not people that are powerful. It's not people that are powerful and overwhelming. It's coming in and doing desperate acts to create damage and ha- havoc. And this is Satan's tactic. This is how he operates. What his desire is for us, as I shared earlier, is that he wants to defeat us, derail us, and destroy us. He he wants to draw us away from the plan of God. He wants to take us into sin and and that we would forget what, what God has for us. I was reminded uh, as I was studying of... Um, a little booklet, a little track, I remember, of Four Spiritual Laws. I looked at it when uh, someone gave it to me when I was in high school. And uh, I went over it many times and even shared it with some people in those days. And uh, first law uh, is that God loves you and offers you a wonderful plan for your life. Well, if Satan would have a little booklet like that, which he doesn't, it would say this, I hate you. And I wish to destroy your life. And that's what he's doing. That, that's what sin is. That's his draw and his appeal. That's his desire. 
And as we see in the life of Christ in these three uh, temptations, we see Christ going through the very thing that we have we go through. That we realize that we can get a look into the enemy's plan. I want to tell you that the enemy has a plan for this world. It's not going to work. It's not going to prevail. But he's a defeated foe that continues to attack. Okay? Defeated foe that continues to attack. Things to remember. Number two. We have a king that's victorious. We have a king that's victorious. In Hebrews chapter 4, I usually don't cross-reference a whole lot, but... This morning, I just wanted to use this as a, it just connected so well to our passage. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says this, is 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest, speaking of Christ, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. You get it? So Jesus was tempted in sin, for, to sin. People have connected this both with the garden, uh, temptations in the garden, as well as the temptations spoken of in 1 John. Jesus was tempted as we are. But there's a difference you know the difference? Without sin. There's, there's a kind of a, a strange thing in our culture today. Uh, we desire, sometimes we say we desire people who are real and authentic. And sometimes we err in saying that by saying, we want sinners just like us. If you sin that way and I sin that way, it's all good, you know? We're fine. This is the distinction of Christ. And sometimes we would reject God by saying, oh, he seems so holy uh, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ so I can be with the Father. Oh, just Jesus was so holy, I'm not. Exactly. Exactly. That's the point. And you say, well, I don't like that. Fine. You can be lost in your sin. If you don't want success in battling sin, you don't need Jesus. But if you desire victory, if you desire the removal of guilt, if you desire to walk in righteousness, you need Jesus. Because He is the King victorious. And as He walks before us, we walk behind Him, following Him. The only one who has had success in the battle against sin. That was number two, our king is victorious. Third thing to remember. Um, that Jesus answered with the resources that every man in Christ has. I find this so interesting. I, I connected it throughout, I've said it a number of times. He answered with scripture. He answered with scripture. Um, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, and there's so many different places where 
And it, it's dangerous to even talk about this. It, it, it makes me uncomfortable. But sometimes we put ourselves in Christ's shoes. We say, well, if I were Christ, if I were the Lord, I would have done it like this. That whole uh, stones into bread thing, okay? He says, turn these stones into bread. And I think if if I were Christ, I would have done something like this. I would have gone, what? These stones? Boom! And just disintegrated them right there. I, I would have done something powerful to show how the greatness of who I was. You think of these different ways that he could have done some other miracle to show that he was not a, to show him. But what does he do? He answers with the very resources that you and I have here sitting in our laps. There's one in the pew rack right in front of you. You probably have one at home laying around your house. Some of you have it on your iPhone or your iPad or your i whatever. And, and, and what is that that you hold? It is the resource, the resource for getting you out of temptation to sin. You say, well, you just, if you sin, you just put a Bible verse on it and it's done. It's not so simple, but it is simple. You see, every sin is a truth war. It's a truth war. It's, what are you going to think? Sin looks good, right? If sin didn't look good, by the way, it wouldn't be tempting, right? If it didn't it didn't have some allure, if sin didn't look good, it'd be bad advertising and no one would ever be tempted, so, so what happens is this, is we look at sin and we say, oh yeah, I need it. I need it. I, I'm starving. 40, 40 days, I'm, I'm starving. You know, I need it. It's just this one little thing. We need to answer the lies that we come up with, the lies of our world, the lies of... Uh, we need to answer that with what? The truth. The truth of God's word. This morning, I want to challenge you. Uh, um, what sins are you struggling with at your home? Some of you are like, well, what do you mean? You know, struggling in my home? Yeah, some of you are struggling lying to yourself that there's no sin in your home. What are the, what are the things that you're struggling with? What's going on in your heart and in your life and in the lives of the, the family around you? What do you need to what truth do you need in your mind and heart that would cause you to be repulsed by sin? To be able to withstand temptation? What is it? When Jesus was tempted, he answered with the word of God. If if he used that method, Certainly, us being lesser, more vulnerable, should use that as well. This morning, I hope that you understand that we have a defeated foe, but an active terrorist. And that as Jesus went through these temptations, he did this as part of the plan of God. Without sin, without sin, that he 
could leave us a model as well as as well as present himself as the victorious king that's worthy to be followed. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning, for your grace, for your mercy. God, I pray that you would uh, make us active in resisting temptation, clinging to you, applying your word. God, grant us success as we cling to the king's hand. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.